you hear the music, you know the show, but you may not know the voice. You are listening to Rayla Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. I am Willie Gibson, filling in for Ray this week. And what matters to me is that I hope everyone had a very, very Merry Christmas and will make 2018 the best year yet. Uh, Ray is away this week, and I just want to take a moment and thank him for entrusting me with this spot. Um, Hopefully I can leave it a little or a lot better than I found it. You know, we all know over uh, Christmas and New Year's we have guests over, and uh, you may a couple of days later find something mis- displaced or, or disheveled. Hopefully Ray comes back and finds the spot better than he left it. Uh, that being said, I do want to hear from you. Uh, the format remains the same. Ray Ellis Sports is primarily NFL-based and NFL-driven. Uh, give us a call here at, at the Voice America Sports Network. The number is 888 346 9144. Again, that's 888 346 9144. You can reach out to me on Twitter. That handle is at Will Gibson7, all one word, at Will Gibson, the number seven. Uh, before I go any further, I would like to send uh, prayer and condolences to the family of Dick Enberg, who passed away last week at the age of 82. Uh, Mr. Enberg was a broadcasting giant. Uh, During his 60 years in broadcasting, he covered 28 Wimbledon tennis tournaments, 10 Super Bowls, and 8 NCAA Men's Championship Finals. He did so all with a humbleness unlike any other in the sports profession. Now, where others are bombastic and in in their description of big plays, Mr. Enberg simply said, oh my. As a great broadcaster, great of a broadcaster as he was, he was an even better man. I had the privilege, privilege to meet him uh, back in 2001. Did not know me from Adam, but yet he took the time to speak with me. My friend took pictures. I uh, asked about us and genu- genuinely showed a, a caring concern for us. So that's something that I will always remember about him. So again, prayers to the family of uh, Dick Enberg. Uh, passed away last week at the age of 82. I want to get into, as we said, Rayla Sports is an NFL-driven uh, show. Uh, what is a catch? Uh, in recent weeks, you've seen Jesse James from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, last week, uh, Kelvin Benjamin from the Buffalo Bills uh, made catches. I thought were catches. Obviously, replay officials and the powers that be uh, and then in the NFL saw fit to call them not a catch. So anytime I have a question, I like to go to an expert, find out exactly the ins and outs of that. So uh, with me right now, I do have a former NFL wide receiver, four-year veteran with the Colts, Lions, and Saints. Also a uh, Ohio State Buckeye, as I am. Uh, Roy Hall joins us here on Rail of Sports. Roy, Roy, how are you? Doing well, Big Will. Thanks for having me on. Good. Thanks for being here, man. And listen, as I said in the open, what, what is a catch? I mean, you're a wide receiver. You play receiver in this league. You know the rules. But from my eye, as I see it, I'm going to take the, the Jesse James catch first. How, one, is that not a catch? And I understand by rule, they've explained it, by rule it's not a catch. But one, looking at that, how is it not a catch? And two, I've always been taught from the time I started watching football that the ball must break the plane to score a touchdown. That ball broke the plane while he was on the ground. So how, one, is it not a catch? 
and two, not a touchdown. Here's here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how back in peewee leagues or even in your backyards when you're playing with your friends growing up, and sometimes you have those catches that are controversial. It was so much easier to solve the the issue of whether or not it was a catch or no catch back in the day, man. Like we didn't have you know review, uh, cameras and you know replays and official reviews. Like you really just huddle up. Whoever shouted the loudest let you know that you know who who was a catch or was it not. Usually, the biggest person on the field will let you know what, whether it was a catch or whether it was not. So, in that particular case, I would have just loved to see Jesse James get in the ref's face. Tell the refs, look, man, like this was a catch, and the ref just bow out and say, all right, it's cool. It was a catch, and keep it moving. It would just be that much easier for all the fans watching. But in all seriousness, like it, it's crazy because he caught the ball, moved it, and lunged it toward the goal line, to your point, crossing the goal line, breaking the plane, scored a touchdown, hit the ground afterwards, and then all of a sudden they said it wasn't, it wasn't the full act of the catch. But as soon as you catch the football with your hands and move it left, right, up, down, and cross it uh, with all intentions to score a touchdown, it's a touchdown based on both rules, based on the ball crossing the plane from a runner, and then also based on the fact that he caught the ball, showed that he had possession, made a football move, which was the consciousness enough to, to put it over the goal line. So I don't know, man. Like, it's just crazy. I mean, being a former receiver, um, you know, it's just tough to watch those types of things because you work so hard at your craft. He caught the ball, didn't bobble it, showed that he wanted to score a touchdown, did it, and then they took it away from him. So it's crazy to see that. And then the fact that it happened so late in the game, Will, is just costing the game. Exactly, exactly. So, okay, that one, I don't, I still don't understand, but that's fine. We'll, we'll leave it be. But the Kelvin, Benj- the Kelvin Benjamin catch, I mean, what more – can he do to possess the ball in bounds, catch the ball across the goal, like get two feet down? Why is that called not a catch? Well, they said with their explanation, he didn't have possession, total possession, uh, while those two feet were on the ground. And so as microscopic of time period or space in between his hands and the ball being bobbled, they came to the conclusion um, even though the week before they had to use a note card to figure out if something was a first down. But apparently this particular angle and the film crew at that Buffalo game um, gave enough of a zoom to where you could see the ball, I guess, moving a little bit while his feet were on the ground, which means he didn't have total possession, which means it didn't count as a catch, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard of considering and watching all the catches that are made where you really can't tell whether or not it's full possession. But in that particular moment, they said that he didn't have full possession. So, um, again, another thing that we're talking about in regards to the NFL that has nothing to do with the actual good play, but we're now talking about and highlighting the refs' uh, botching of calls and these crazy rules that they have. And they're going to have to reformat the rules again in the offseason, and then the fans are going to have to catch up again on what a catch really is. Thank you. Now, that was my next question. We have about a minute left in this segment, and uh, we can go on into the next segment discussing this as well. But there's there has to be a review of this rule by the competition committee in the offseason, right? There, there's no way. I mean, they have to. I mean, there's too many times that it's come up. You know, like, who wants to every, – if every Monday or Tuesday we're talking about something that was a catch or no catch, and we've been doing this for the past two or three years, 
they just have to figure it out and, and kind of get on the same page. Not necessarily for, I mean, for everybody's sake, the players' sake, the coaches' sake, the fans. And so um, nobody's on the same page right now. But it seems like everything in the NFL right now is just kind of up in the air and they just kind of go from situation to situation. So we'll see what happens in the offseason. Right. So hope we coming, we're coming to the close of this segment. What we do is go on into the second segment after this break, come back and discuss NFL playoffs. Who's in, who's out, who should be in. Um, and also, Roy, I'd like to get your, your thoughts as a, as a former player in uh, segment two as far as week 17. Long season, uh, given it all you've had, and then you're on a non-playoff team. Is that same maximum effort, is that same effort that you gave in week two, three, and four, is that same effort uh, given in week 17 when you know uh, after that game it's no more football until April. So once we'll uh, get to that at the uh, beginning of the second segment, again, you are listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. I am Willie Gibson filling in, and we will be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you are back. This is Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. I am Willie Gibson filling in for Ray. With me right now is former NFL wide receiver Roy Hall. And Roy, when, uh, when we went to break, we were talking about uh, week 17, the end of a, a long season. And uh, you were fortunate uh, early in your career to play with the Indianapolis Colts, who um, were perennial playoff contenders during that time, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, and, and the like. But then also, towards the end of your career, you did play uh, uh, with the Detroit Lions, who were 6-10, and 10, I believe, in 2010. So can you kind of give us... Uh, uh, behind the scenes look 
into the NFL locker room of week 17 versus uh, with a playoff team versus week 17 with a non-playoff team? Yeah, with a playoff team, it's usually the, the biggest decision you have to make is whether or not you're going to play your starters or you're not. Um, how much are you going to play? I mean, you almost treat it like a end of the year, pre, a beginning of the year preseason game where, you know, do you play the starters for a quarter? Uh, do you play them for a half? Uh, do you not play them at all? Uh, most teams don't want to risk injury. Um, and I believe um, when, when I was playing with the Colts, um, we kind of took the um, play a little bit in the first quarter type deal. I mean, guys didn't just come out and not play at all. I think we played like the first quarter. I remember one year Reggie Wayne was going for 100 catches in the season, and he played, and literally Peyton came out and threw him the ball, and he got six catches for like 30 yards. He had like five or six yards of catch. Um, he got his 100, 100 catches. They got him out the game, and they started taking everybody else out. So um, I think it's about staying fresh. But then there was another year where, you know, they didn't play the guys, and we ended up losing in the first round. So, um, you know, those things can happen. Um, but it's all about, hey, do I want to keep my guys injured or don't I? Now, the players want to play, but at the same time, they know what's at stake for the playoffs, those veteran guys. The younger guys generally want to play. But when you're playing for a team uh, that's, that's not going to get the playoffs, we were 6-10 and 10 my last year with the Lions in 2010. And, you know, you got some guys that are playing for pride, that guys just want to go out and get after it, football players to the core. You got some guys that have packed it up. Like, hey, man, I just need to get through this game without getting hurt so I can, you know, get to the offseason healthy, you know, and maybe sign a bigger deal with a better team next year. You got some guys that are playing for stat, you know, uh, which usually have some type of incentive or bonus tied to their numbers. And so when you get a guy that needs another sack and a half to get a $500,000 bonus or $250,000 bonus, those guys are going out there and going hard. And then you got the guys that are kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, like myself, that are still trying to make a name for themselves. You know, if you can score a touchdown, get a big play, uh, have a few nice catches or make a couple nice tackles on special team, going into the offseason, somebody might say, hey, this is a guy that continue to play to the end of the whistle, so to speak, and leave it all out on the field. So it's two different mindsets. Some guys pack it in. I mean, I would probably say 30%, 40% of the guys are like, man, let me just make it through this game without getting hurt. Who cares if we win or lose? And then you still got the other guys that are playing their hearts out uh, just from a pride level. The coaches are always giving it their all. I don't think they pack it in. But from a player standpoint, if you're not making the playoffs, it's like, man, I got to stay healthy because I cannot get hurt in this last game and mess up uh, a potential great season or offseason coming up. It's great insight, Roy. Appreciate that. Now, we this, we started this talking about week 17, but I think of a team like the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they're 0-15. Clearly, they were out of it early on. What's the momentum? Is it that same drive? Some guys just, I got to get tape. I want to continue my career next year, so I want to give it all, give it my all. Or is it a situation where, you know, the Kenny Britt situation, where, where they released him, where it's, it's obvious that, this guy really doesn't want to be here. He's just out here playing the string, hoping to get to the offseason healthy. Yeah, I mean, for the Browns, it's a tough situation. You want to get at least a victory, right? And so now they're fighting for that one victory. I remember last year when the Browns got the victory for Hugh Jackson and got their one victory, and they, they were excited about it. I think it was like week 14 or something like that towards the end of the season. And it was the same scenario uh, where guys are really just trying to fight for respect. I mean, you don't want to be that team that goes down as going as 0-16 uh, like the Lions did some, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, you don't want to go, you know, <laughs> the opposite of an undefeated season. So, you know, you, you just never know when your last play is going to be. 
and I mentioned that to you on the break, um, you know, just when we were waiting to come back from break, that, you know, you always think you know when your last play is going to be, hey, man, I'm going to play 10 years, I would love to make a Pro Bowl, or, you know, I'm going to play eight years and retire, or you see yourself having a long career. But if you kind of uh, ask the majority of polls, the majority of players and say, hey, man, if like, did you know that your last play was going to be your last play? The obvious answer would be like, no. You know, people thought that they would come back from injury. People thought that they would get re-signed. And so when you're on the own 15 Browns team, you never know when you're going to get another opportunity to play the great game of football. You could be coming off this year like, man, I had a good year and literally get overlooked because of the team that you're affiliated with because of that record. So, you know, you just want to give it your all. Hopefully all the Browns players are saying, hey, man, if I give it everything that I have, we can get a victory. And really, you want to do it for the city. You don't want to go 0-16. Right, right. You are listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. I am Willie Gibson filling in for Ray today, joined by uh, former NFL wide receiver Roy Hall. And Roy, let's flip the page a little bit to the current playoff situation, uh, starting first with the AFC. Uh, the usual suspects at the top, New England, clinched the first round by number one seed, Pittsburgh, First round by the second seed. couple uh, newcomers, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, clinching the AFC South division. And then the Kansas City Chiefs clinching uh, the West division of the AFC. Two spots still left up for grabs. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, Chargers, and Buffalo Bills still fighting for that. Those final two spots. Looking at it, what do you see in the AFC? First, uh, those two teams that would gain the last two spots. And then is it pretty much uh, a, a set in stone that we'll see Baltimore, uh, New England and Pittsburgh again? Yeah, I, you know, it, I mean, it's kind of inevitable at this point in time. Um, however, we did see uh, New England kind of lay an egg when they played Miami a few weeks ago down in Miami, um, not even completing a third down. Um, and the first time they've done that in some 10-plus years, um, obviously, with Brady there, that's, that never really happens. So anything can happen in the NFL on any given Sunday. But at the same time, you got a five-time Super Bowl champ. Um, you know, those guys know what they're doing. The thing that I love about the Patriots is they just continue to get better. Uh, they are like the epitome of how to respond to adversity. No matter who they lose, they lost Julian Edelman early. They lost some guys on defense. No matter who's getting replaced, those guys just continue to be in the thick of things because of their great coaching and great system and just believing in uh, doing their job and not worrying about who's playing or who's not. And those guys get the most out of all their players. Uh, I was reading The Wire today where uh, James Harrison, you know, all everything, Pittsburgh still a outside linebacker, former defensive player of the year, they're looking to sign him. It's a great pickup. As soon as Pittsburgh cut James Harrison, I said the Patriots will probably pick him up because he's a great asset to their defense, not to mention that they're going to need him down the road if they face Pittsburgh again. So I think we're going to see the Patriots. I think we're going to see Pittsburgh, those guys going against each other, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, hopefully uh, Mr. Brown comes back from his, his uh, calf muscle injury. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger has those guys playing well. Their defense is playing well. They've kind of rallied around the loss of Ryan Shazier. So we're going to see those guys. Uh, I do like the push that the Ravens have made. Their defense has been playing phenomenal. Uh, Joe Flacco hasn't necessarily been playing up to his $20-plus million-a-year contract, uh, but he's a big-time quarterback that's won some big games and won a Super Bowl for those guys, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, I look to see them winning this weekend. Um, and then, you know, you got the Tennessee Titans that are right there. 
Um, I think whoever gets in the playoffs, it's always funny. You try and make the playoffs, and then you lose in the first round. It's like, man, we tried to win all those games at the end of the year for nothing. Um, you know, so it's always interesting to see those guys fight to make the playoffs and then make the playoffs and lose. Uh, but just to get into the tournament, I think, is a good thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh and the Patriots will be on top. And now uh, switching gears to the NFC, it's pretty much uh, set in stone. Five teams have already clinched Philadelphia home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the NFC. Minnesota clinching the NFC North. Uh, Philadelphia, the NFC, NFC East division champion. Minnesota, NFC North champion. The Los Angeles Rams, uh, NFC West division champions. And then you have uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers clinching playoffs, playoff berths. They still have uh, some business to handle to see who, who wins the NFC South division. And then for that sixth spot, it comes down to the Atlanta Falcons, third team coming out of NFC South or the uh, Seattle Seahawks winning your end. Uh, looking at the NFC, uh, what's your thoughts? Wow. I mean, now the NFC is, is really interesting because all those teams match up pretty well. Um, obviously, the, the Cinderella story is the Los Angeles Rams and what they've been able to do and turning their, their, their season around from last year. Um, they've been a surprise to the NFL. Uh, they've done a great job out there. And they have a great defense as well. But, you know, when you're riding a horse like uh, Todd Gurley um, and, and watching what he's been able to do um, in, in that running game and in the pass game, it's just been unbelievable to watch him uh, surpass 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Um, only a few other people have been able to do that. And when they have, they've won, actually won the MVPs. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see who, who wins that MVP race. But, the NFC is crazy. You got Carolina playing well behind Cam Newton. Uh, you got the Saints, high-powered offense. They're running the football, and that's the same formula they had when they won the Super Bowl and actually beat my Indianapolis Colts in 2009. Kept me from getting the Super Bowl ring. Uh, they had the same formula, being able to run the football with uh, many different faces in that backfield. And then you know you got the Matt Ryan's of the world. Those guys are fighting. Seattle's a former Super Bowl champion, and then Minnesota and Philly, and so. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of there. I mean, I like Philly's momentum right now. I believe that they can win with Nick Foles. He has uh, some. So he didn't play as well as you wanted him to last night, but you got to see that defense being able to step up and create some turnovers. And that's what you're going to need in playoff football: be able to run the football and protect the football. So uh, I like Philly. I like Minnesota, but I also like the Rams. It's just the Rams inexperience uh, kind of keeps me from wanting to bid on them to get all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, but if I had to pick, I'd probably pick Philly right now and then maybe Minnesota. All right, we'll leave it there. Actually, I'll, what I'll do is I'll go uh, – I think Minnesota plays the Super Bowl in their home stadium, and I think they see Pittsburgh. So Minnesota-Pittsburgh uh, right now as my Super Bowl prediction. But that brings us to the close of this segment. More on Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. I am Willie Gibson filling in for Ray. Stick and stay. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Who do you feel the most important person is on a sports team? Is it the captain, the star player, or the fan? While it could truly be any of these individuals, more often than not, it's the coach. Listen for a coach's spirit with hosts Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. 
A Coach's Spirit offers a look into the human side of coaching and a chance to learn from some of the most impactful leaders in the game. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. This is Rayla Sports on the Sports America Sports Network. Willie Gibson filling in for Ray this week and switching gears from the NFL a little bit. I want to uh, welcome another guest to uh, Rayla Sports. Uh, this man, first, uh, I've been a, a great admirer of him for quite some time. Had a chance to cross paths with him about, uh, wow, 17 years ago now. And, uh, Whenever I call, is always there to, to take the call and answer. So much appreciated. A long time ESPN sports uh, personality, Kenny Main, joins us here on Rayleigh Sports. Kenny, Merry Christmas to you. How are you? Likewise. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I know you're a Seattle guy. And uh, we talked about it briefly. Your guy, Earl Thomas, has been making news for the last couple of weeks off the field with some post-game comments. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, his injured teammate, Bobby Wagner. Should not have been playing, perhaps. Maybe should have uh, let the backups play. And then last week, reportedly um, told Dallas coach Jason Garrett, if you have the opportunity to come get me, come get me. So are those comments by Earl uh, much ado about nothing? Or is it that that, uh, Earl sees the writing in the wall that uh, his time in Seattle could be up? Well, you know, I I love Earl, first of all, what he's done for Seattle. That's my home team and, you know, plays his heart out, plays great center field for us, best in the league, played through injuries. I mean, you can't question anything he's ever given to that franchise. What he did was clearly rather unorthodox. You know, they just won a huge game on the road after getting crushed by L.A. the week before. They needed that game to have a chance of making the playoffs. And, and so it was unusual, but honestly, the more I thought about it, I didn't say anything when it first happened. Everybody was commenting. I kind of slept on it. And I don't see it a heck of a lot different than, you know, I've been at, say, the Kentucky Derby, and maybe I've gone up to the, the NBC brass, or maybe at the Super Bowl, talked to a Fox boss, or whatever. You know, you always keep your options alive, even if you're happy at what you're doing and got a contract. doesn't mean you're, like, cheating on your contract. Just You're just, you know, keeping friendly out there. And right. to me, they they have this job 
and the fans look at it like they have this unending loyalty to the city and the team. Yet, during that same game, for all we know, the Seahawks GM was plotting to get rid of him. I'm not saying he was, but it, if that were happening, nobody would blink, right? But if it's the player doing something, you know, that is advocating for himself or his family and his job, then all of a sudden he's selfish and, you know, he turned his back on the team. And I just think more was made of it than was necessary. It was definitely unusual, but, you know, he was just, he's a Texas guy, right? He probably doesn't want to go finish back there, just like Marshawn wanted to finish in Oakland. Right, right. Kenny Mayne is our guest. And Kenny, to, uh, to discuss the uh, Bobby Wagner piece of this, and I've always known, I've always heard and uh, been told that you never, in the NFL locker room, you never discuss another man's money. You never discuss another man's injury. And so for to Earl to say that, but then more importantly to me, the, the, the biggest part of that was uh, Bobby Wagner responding on Twitter and saying, you know, he's in yeah. the same locker room with him um, 50 feet away, but yet he responded on Twitter. Uh, it was, I, again, now that we all have Twitter and, you know, yeah. you and I didn't as kids, right? It was a different world back then. These guys like have lived in an age where it's just been a thing all their, all their, you know, high school, college and adult life. So it, again, that one's unusual. Why just go talk to the guy. But on the other hand, I don't know the context in which, uh, Earl said what he said about Bobby should or shouldn't have played. Like, I don't, like a lot of times you'll hear quotes, you know, and it's the big headline in the paper or on sports center or wherever. And we take stuff out of context. So-and-so said such and such, but we don't know what led to it. Oftentimes, players or managers, coaches will say something that sounds outrageous or controversial, but it's not like they held a press conference to say those words. The words came out in the course of being interviewed and having 25 questions thrown at them. So who knows? Maybe somebody asked him a question, you know, you guys were getting crushed. Should your frontline guys have been out there? And maybe that's what led him to do it. I didn't see the whole transcript, you know, to know precisely how all those words came out. Seattle definitely has had an interesting locker room for years. Somehow it always seems to work, though, right? They they have their feuds. They come back together. They made the playoffs this year still in question. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of success with this core group of guys. So I kind of just root for them to succeed and don't really worry about the, you know, the internal of it all. Alarm to remind me to call you. Ha. Huh. Appreciate that alarm. Um, we're talking <laughs> to uh, Kenny Mayne here on Rayla Sports, Voice America Sports Network. Roy, do you have a question for uh, for Kenny? Hey, Kenny, um, you've been known to kind of uncover, like, some of the great stories of guys, just things that they don't really necessarily talk about, um, you know, all the time in some of their basic interviews. I mean, you ask some cool questions and get some, some great stories and some good laughs and, and develop relationships with athletes because of your ability to just kind of push the button a little bit on some, some uncommon things. Um, speaking of the whole Twitter and Bobby Wagner piece, how do you feel about uh, athletes utilizing that social media platform uh, to speak their voice. I mean, we see it with LeBron James um, talking a lot about politics and different things. Just how do you feel about athletes having their own uh, ability to have a press conference whenever they want uh, via social media, uh, given your background and how you've been able to kind of utilize those things that they don't talk about all the time to, to, to get to know the athletes even more? I think it's great that players are doing it. I think you see it more in the NBA than the other sports. I don't know what that says about, you know, their freedom, individuality, you know, that maybe isn't as common in the other sports. But I've been saying for a while, given the state of things, if people aren't going to speak up now, you know, when will they ever? So I, I think it's great that 
you know, and, and they, the, the, they back it up additionally because it's one thing to protest or to say, you know, you know, a couple sentences after a game. But if you don't go do something afterwards about it, you know, and do things that are doing good things in your community, then it's just words. And most of the guys you're talking about have backed it up. Seahawks have all sorts of guys, they're leaders in their community, and, and uh, in particular Doug Baldwin and some of the others have tried to, to get some community policing discussions going and bring neighborhoods together and you know, kind of gain a new respect so that people are talking the same language instead of just lashing out and picking the examples where they can be critical. LeBron is you know, nothing but hard work and has, has never done a thing wrong. I don't know why there's so much uh, LeBron hate out there in the world, maybe just because of his success. I, I'm a huge fan of his and respect his word, and he always backs it up. So I, I think it's great that they have that platform, and you, you again see it like Coach Kerr, Coach Popovich. You know, they've, they've been very demonstrative in, in what they've had to say, but they're not just lashing out. They back it up with facts, and I think that's the key thing is when you, you both talk sensibly and not just emotionally, and then also you go and do deeds because deeds over words, you know, are more important. Kenny, I know I talked about in the open uh, when you first uh, you came across my path uh, in 2000 doing the uh, two minute drill, ESPN's two minute drill sports trivia game show. Uh, what do you remember? Or what do you any thoughts you have about about that time uh, doing that that game show? I remember you dominating it. If that's what you were looking for me to say, that you you won it two straight years. No, right? I, listen, I appreciate it, <laughs> but <laughs> no, say what kid, you remember. Uh, where was where was the third kid from? I want to say like Syracuse. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah. it, we had so Adis- much fun. Adesina, Kosicki, yeah, from Syracuse. That show was so much fun. You saw how it was produced, you know, because you were there in the middle of it. It was We kind of threw it together. We were at first just make, not making up the rules, but how do we execute it just right. I thought we were just getting to a good spot, but uh, unfortunately they didn't continue with it. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring something like that back. Um and I remember too. Uh, we kept on shooting right after 9/11, so you know it was it was quite a serious time, yeah. obviously in in New York in particular. And and yet here we were, you know, not not that many blocks away from where it all happened. And it was very strange going back. I think we we were shooting in October, right after that it happened in September. And and so we were all together doing this very fun show, but in the middle of you know a real crisis and and all the emotion of what was going on in New York at the time. So. I remember for a couple different reasons. I remember also bringing my bicycle down and driving from my hotel to that place on the west side, which is something I might not ever do again. It was fun, but a little little dangerous. But I, I just remember the good people that were involved, you know, all the athletes on there, uh, people like you that I got to meet, and, and I was kept in touch with you all. I can't believe you said 17 years. I guess that's about right. Yeah, yeah and you're right. Uh, the, it's pretty surreal, uh, mentioning the uh, 9-11, to be uh, in... Uh, the financial district uh, about six weeks prior to 9-11 and then to come back 10 days after. You're right. It was uh, right. a tremendous, tremendous uh, impact for me even now, just sitting back and thinking about and reliving it. Um, listen, again, I, I thank you for your time. And I have one more question just to get you out of here on the light note. I uh, spoke earlier. We know you're a Seattle guy and you saw on NBA TV last week that uh, Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas uh, re- reconciled, kissed and made up, if you will, literally, um, <laughs> uh, to squash uh, whatever beef they had going back to the 90s. Any chance we can set something like that up here on uh, Rail of Sports with you and Clay Bennett? 
I don't know. <laughs> Do we have a bad one? I, I'm, I think I'm fine. Uh, All right. I, I'm with would kiss the makeup with Seattle and bring back a team there. I, I'm proposing that LeBron just say, we're going to Seattle. He handpicks a few guys and they start the franchise. I'm all for that. Yeah, and I don't know if Akron and Cleveland's going to have that, but we can all <laughs> wish, right? Bring Jamal Crawford along. Hey, hey, speaking of that, I'll never forget 50-point scorers with three different teams, Wilt, Moses, Bernard King, and Jamal Crawford. You, I'll never forget. Was that, your, was that your question? No, that was yours. You no, my yeah, question yeah, was, on, huh? I put it on Twitter the other day. Exactly. Yep. But that was from yep. uh, Tim Legler. Tim Legler had all that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But no, my question was Eddie George. I said Minnesota. I said Arizona, and it was Minnesota. So yeah, that's oh. that's what I remember. The question of significance. Well, you did yep. well enough, man. You won it twice, so. Carry on. I hope you keep doing well, and uh, you guys have a great New Year. Hope 2018 is, is better than 17. Hey, Kenny, hey, you as well, man. Safe travels to you. Thanks again for taking the time. No worries. All right, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, boss. The great Kenny Main joining us here on Rayla Sports, the Voice America Sports Network. I mean, it's a lot that we can cover, Roy, from that interview, but we're up against a break. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that was a great question you asked as well. Uh, to him about uh, athletes and social media and their impact and their outreach capabilities now uh, that they have that may not have been or were not available to them uh, in the past. So what we'll do, we're about 20 seconds away from a break. So we'll come back and pick up on that on the other side of this break. You are listening to Rayla Sports. Willie Gibson filling in on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are back with Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Sports Network. Willie Gibson filling in. Ray uh, is away, allowing trusting me with this spot. Once again, thanks to the great Kenny Main for joining us here today on Rayola Sports. Roy, we were talking off off the air, and he mentioned that as far as 
uh, 9-11, and, and that was so true. And him saying that brought it all back. He, he's 100% correct how surreal that was to be there. Uh, the way the taping schedule worked is I was there about six weeks before 9-11, and uh, the only time I had a day off, and I went to the financial district. I, you know, I didn't know any. I just was in New York, wanted to see the sites, and went down there. And then to come back 10 days after 9-11 was uh, something that even now, is uh, surreal and something I won't easily, easily forget. But um, yeah. go, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Not, man, for you, for, for you being there, man, it's just crazy, man, like that you were there, I mean, 10 days after. Um, I mean, that's, see, I was, I think I was, might have been a junior in high school at the time. And obviously everybody probably that was alive then could remember where they were. But just the fact that you went back afterwards and you're pursuing the dream and getting and building relationships with the likes of Kenny Mayne and just those people that you're meeting, um, in that area, man, it's just it's just crazy, man. So, you know, um, you know, we're obviously thankful that we're here, man, and and, and still, we'll never forget that day. Wow, throwing shade, junior in high school, so I'm old, is what you're telling me. But uh, <laughs> move, we'll move on. I'll digress. But um, <laughs> one thing about uh, Ray here on Ray Ellis Sports, uh, Ray Ellis is is a very very huge proponent of uh, former NFL players post-career, what they're doing post-career. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to have Roy on, and I appreciate his sports acumen. He's been great this entire time, but he has a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous story of post-NFL success. So i like to give him a moment. And uh, Roy, just talk about the transition from the NFL. We talked about 2010 with the, with the Lions. You thought, you know, I'll be re-signed for another year and, and continue to pursue my passion and my dream. But Talk about post-career, uh, that transition, and what you're doing now. Yeah, that transition is one of the hardest transitions to make, I believe. Um, and, and if you're not a former athlete um, on any level, you won't really understand what it's like to have a passion for something since you're a little kid and then not to be able to do it again. Um, but the further and further you get up the line, college, NFL, if you make it there, the harder it's going to be to transition into, quote-unquote, real life when football comes to an end. Um, a good friend of ours, Will, uh, Stanley Jackson, always describes it as two different deaths. <laughs> like, you'll, you'll die your real life, but your first death is when you have to give up the sport of football, specifically when you make it to the professional level. I equate it to just like a horrible breakup. Um, it's heartbreak at its, at its worst uh, when you want to do something with everything that you love and you got so much invested in it, and no matter what you do, you can't... Um, you can't do it anymore. You can't make any phone calls. There's nobody that can call in any favors. Um, your body won't hold up. You just can't do it anymore. The crazy thing is it could be at age 23. It could be at age 26. It could be at age 27 like it was for me. It could be at age 35. But when most people are just starting to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, somebody's telling you that you have to stop doing it and there's nothing that you can do to get back to that level. And so a lot of times people are always making a big deal with athletes and what they're, what they're doing with their money and what they're doing with their time, and they should be falling back on their degree. I know people that got their degree and double majored or got a, uh, a master's, and they're making $80,000, $100,000 a year, and they're miserable. And they don't even know what they want to do. Matter of fact, they majored in something, and they're not even doing that anymore. So to tell a football player or a student athlete that makes it professionally – making millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to go back into the real world 
and get a job falling back on your degree in which you probably majored in something just to stay eligible um, is just crazy to me. And so when you get done with that and you have to make your own doctor's appointment, you got to make your own dentist appointment, you got to shop for your own food, right? You don't have anybody that's telling you to go to class. Like you got to do all these things on your own, but you've been pampered for the last 15 years. So it's like speaking a different language when you have to do it on your own. And hard, the hardest thing is to go from doing something that you love and figuring out how to transfer or to deploy that passion that you have for football into another area. Um, for me, it was a little bit easier uh, just because of my relationship with the Lord and my faith. I really had an open dialogue with God. And he just kind of told me that I needed to be a servant, and I wanted to be a servant. And so I established my Driven Foundation with another former teammate, Antonio Smith, and been plugging away for the last nine years at serving the community and building up families from the inside out. Uh, we've been able to distribute over 750,000 pounds of free food and feed over 6,400 families in the last nine years. Uh, we put in 250 hours of mentoring last year, grades five through eight. Uh, we have about seven mentorship programs going on right now in Central Ohio, the Columbus area. Um, we're doing food outreaches, wellness giveaways, tons of motivational speaking around the country. I uh, had the opportunity to go to Las Vegas this year, spoke in Pittsburgh, spoke in the Midwest and a couple of different other places, just motivating people uh, to be the best version of themselves and to not allow any type of adversity to slow you down or to shut you down um, and that you've been placed on this, in, on this, on this earth for a purpose um, to, to make people's lives better with the gifts and the talents that you have. And so um, it's just been awesome to be able to serve and use that platform of a former Ohio State Buckeye and football player in the NFL and use that NFL shield to kick down the doors and allow some of these families and these young men to see that the impossible can be done. So I'm just grateful, man, to be able to uh, use football to make a difference. Uh, nobody taught me how to do that, uh, but for anybody that's a former athlete that's listening, man, uh, just go for it, man. Just use your trainer. Fall back on your training. You know, you don't rise to the occasion. You rise or fall to the level of your training. And we've been trained and given the discipline to really execute and do some things with our great skill sets. And so we can use that and just use it in a different way. Uh, so find your passion. And if you're not an athlete, find your passion and go after it with everything you love. I tell my young people all the time, Will, don't worry about a plan B. There is no such thing as a plan B. Find out what your plan A is and go for it, man. Just go for it. Don't worry about falling back on something. Don't give up your dream because somebody told you it was impossible. It was probably impossible for them, but it's not impossible for you, man. So that's what we've been bugging away with back in Columbus, Ohio, brother. Well said. Well said. So anybody that wants to get in touch with you and wants to, to partner with you at Driven Foundation, how, how, would they, how would they reach out? How would they connect? It's real simple. You know, staydriven.org, staydriven.org, S-T-A-Y-D-R-I-V-E-N.org. Or you can hit me up on Instagram, at Roy, so at R-O-Y underscore H-A-L-L. I'm on Twitter as well, same thing. You know, just reach out, send me a DM, send me an email, whatever you want to do, uh, so we can connect and figure out a way to keep impacting people uh, with this great platform that we have. Speaking of Instagram, Roy, you mentioned it earlier in the show. 29 minutes ago, Jay Harrison, 9292. Finally, a teammate that's older than me, Tom Brady, at Gillette Stadium. So it is official. James Harrison has signed with the New England Patriots. Yeah, man, that's crazy, man. I'm telling you, man, I told you, like, Bill Belichick, that's why they keep winning, man, because, I mean, think about Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt last this past weekend had a big catch on third down. I'm like, Kenny Britt catching third down passes now. He wasn't doing that for the Browns. 
But what it is, when you get around oh. that winning culture, you just take your game to another level. Now, they're going to use James Harrison. I'm telling you, he's going to make some big plays for that defense, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I just want to thank you, number one, for, for taking the time to come on with me today. I thank, again, Ray Ellis for entrusting this spot uh, to me. Um, Roy, I mean, we talk about this all the time. You know, I mean, you are unlike any person I've ever met, ever, as far as your passion for others. And then it's, it's very rare, you know, a lot of people want to complain about athletes, what they're not doing, what they should be doing. As you said earlier, what they should be doing with their money, what have you. And here it is, uh, a person as yourself, you're yourself doing exactly what people complain uh, players, former players, athletes are not doing. So I, I wanted to make sure that you had that opportunity on this platform to to express that and to let people know that, you know, all players are not uh, the, the stereotypical jock, athlete, what have you. There are athletes out there making a difference, and here is one speaking to them right now in the flesh. Well, not in the flesh, but you know what I mean. That, yeah, well, same thing. We know what you meant, man. You know you it. Know. You know hey, I pre- Hey, Will, I appreciate you, man. And then, you know, shout out to Mr. Ray Ellis for allowing us to get on the show. And, and I think, we, le- I think it's, we left his house a little bit better, man. We left his fridge full. We put some extra groceries in there. We vacuumed his carpet. Man, we cleaned right. his bathroom out, man. We straightened out his closet, man. All this fancy suits. Filled up, suits filled up the Bentley. Suits. Left the Bentley on a full now, tank. Man. Yeah. He's coming back. The Bentley is on a full tank. So hopefully, you know, he'll let, uh, give us the opportunity, if this opportunity presents itself again, to uh, take care of the spot while he's gone. But again, thank you to Roy Hall. Thank you again to uh, Kenny Main for joining us. Thank you again to super producer extraordinaire A-Rod in the building making this so much easier for me. That has been Ray Ellis Sports this week on the Voice America Sports Network. We will catch you on another time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.